that. We're going to carry on with our sermon series. We're in Mark chapter 4, which is page 839. If you've got one of our church Bibles, um, if you need a Bible, just pop your hand up and Johnny uh, will get you one. Uh, Before we we read this, I'm going to just pray for us. I just want to read us this from Proverbs 30, verse 5. This is what Proverbs says. Every word of God proves true. He's a shield to those who take refuge in him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that that is, that is true, that your words are true. And we believe that this morning. And because they are, we can put our confidence in you. We can trust you that we will hear from you this morning. And that all that we would hear from you through your word, by your spirit, will be good for us. And we thank you that as we draw near to you through your word, that you promise protection And you promise comfort for all of those who would take refuge in you. Father, we thank you that your word is active. That it will do a work amongst us now in the next 20, 25 minutes. And so, Father, we pray to that end. Change us. Convict us. Make us more like your son. And we ask this in his name. For his glory. Amen. So as I said before, we're going through this series called Fear to Faith. Can I just say, we had a really beautiful graphic for this sermon series as well. And I'm a bit gutted that you can't see it, but just imagine that it was really good and we spent a lot of time making it. Fear to Faith, we're looking at, and we're looking at this, this one story which we're all probably familiar with. Jesus, Carmen, the storm. And we're looking at it uh, from different angles each week, going through the three Gospels, uh, Matthew, Luke and John, that it's recorded in. And it is this story of Jesus going across the lake with his disciples and him, him calming the storm that they find themselves in. And what we've seen over the last couple of weeks is that that is so true for us. Like all of us face storms in our lives. Like we all face struggles and, and turmoil and difficulty just because we're human. And if we didn't, I'd suspect you're not human. Like we all face storms and struggles in our lives. And what we've seen so clearly over the last few weeks is this. In our storms, which we all face, there is hope. There is real hope. And not just kind of an ethereal, metaphorical, hypothetical hope. A real, tangible, active hope. That is true for all of us this morning. We're going to see this morning that one of the ways that Jesus gives us hope. One of the ways that he provides for us in the midst of the storms is this, is us, the gathering of God's people, the community of God. Let's read together Mark's account of this story. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. It's talking about Jesus. Mark says, On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were there with him and a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the storm, so that the boat was already filling. For he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind 
and the sea obey him. A couple of years ago, uh, Elizabeth and I went on a, on a late night uh, journey up to Blackpool to see the Blackpool Illuminations. We took the kids with us. You were quite young, Ruthie. You might remember it. Um, we'd always wanted to see them, hadn't been before, and we were just really excited to go. So we drove up uh, quite late in the evening, uh, through the night. It was about this time of year to see them. Can I just ask, has anyone seen them, by the way? Anyone seen the Blackpool Illuminations? Hands up, no? Yeah, Matt, don't worry. You're not missing out on anything at all. We'd like really been building up to this. So excited to go. It was a miserable night. It was pouring down with rain. We turned up to Blackpool. We couldn't even get out the car. It was raining that hard. So we just drove down the strip. We weren't impressed at all. Got the customary bag of chips and drove back home. Now on the way back home, we were driving down the M55 and it was hammering down with rain. That type of rain when you're driving... The, you know, you've got your windscreen wipers on the fastest one and you, you're moving up to see if it'll go any faster and it just won't because the windscreen just covering with rain as soon as the windscreen wiper's been. That kind of rain. We're driving down the M55. We were in our, our old um, banged up Fiat Punto, the first car that we had, tiny thing. Been in all sorts of, they're good, but this one wasn't great. Uh, all sorts of accidents, my responsibility. Uh, we were driving down, Elizabeth was driving, we were in the outside lane going fairly fast, probably too fast for driving in that sort of conditions, but who am I to tell my wife uh, to slow down? And she was driving uh, pretty fast. It was dark outside, we could just about see in front of us, and then the worst thing possible happened. The windscreen wipers are going so fast, and then they suddenly stop. Outside lane, 70 miles an hour, we couldn't see anything around us. Two things that we did. I, I had to rely on Elizabeth's navigation skills, but also I wound down the window and I'm literally hanging out the window, telling the cars behind us to slow down. And I'm steering Elizabeth while she's, she's got the wheel and I'm saying, okay, left a bit, left a bit. Yeah, you can go now, you can go now. It was petrifying. I had to steer her through. But the other thing that we did, we prayed. Like the first reaction for us was to pray. And I don't say that because I'm some kind of holy, holy guy. Like actually that's what most of us do when we're in those kind of situations. The first thing that a lot of us do, whether you're a Christian or not, is pray. We did it. We were praying, God, you've got to get us to the other side. And this is all split second stuff. Now, thankfully, I'm evidence that we got there safely to the hard shoulder. We pulled over, rang the AA. We're kind of sat soaked on this embankment. The AA came and they took us home. Two things made a difference for us in that scenario. One was my wife. She was right next to me. And she steered that car onto the hard shoulder right where we needed to be. And the other thing that made a difference, and you might think, oh, that's just a, you know, you just say that. But honestly, this is what made the difference. God. Like we prayed, and I honestly believe he answered our prayer and helped us get to the other side and helped us to get home. And there's a great truth for us as we read this passage this morning that in our storms, God gives us two great helps. He gives us his community, the people who are side by side with us, and he gives us his son. Before we jump into seeing those things, there was something else that made a difference that night. Something else that, that got us home. What was it? The AA. The AA, the AA got us home. Like, like, I honestly believe Jesus answered our prayers. My wife was so important, but the AA got us home. Here's the point. In the storms of our life, there is nothing greater than, 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 than what we need than Jesus and his church. Nothing greater. We need his church and we need Jesus. But don't miss how else he might be helping you. 
Now, it's not one of the explicit teaching points in the passage here, but there is a simple truth that is easy to miss in the story here. The disciples are saved from drowning by Jesus and by the boat. As well as his son and his church, God gives us all common graces in our storms. And common grace is just a way of saying these things that God gives to all humanity. Gifts that he gives for us all to enjoy, whether we're a Christian or not. In our storms, he gives us common graces to help us through. For me on that night, it was the AA. For the disciples, it was the boat. Folks, for you, in the midst of your storms, it might well be the NHS. It might be your GP. It might be antidepressants, it might be changing your diet, it might be exercise, daily routine, it might be therapy. All of these things can be good and helpful things to help, to help us in our struggles. And we should not overlook them. See, often if you're a Christian here, often you, you find this temptation to over-spiritualize your storm. And what I mean by that is to just to sit and wait. For God to come and say, peace be still. And everything miraculously just just clears out the way. All the while ignoring the help that he's holding out to you in front of you. I need to tell us this morning, there's not a lack of faith going to the GP. There's not a lack of faith taking a prescription. That is wise. And I admit this can get complex because not everything that is offered to us is good. We need wisdom as to know what things are going to help us move away from from fear and what things will hinder us. But remember, the goal here isn't to plaster over our fears. The goal is to move to faith, a place where we have peace in God. So a week on Monday, we're going to spend an hour online in the evening, just uh, online on Zoom, exploring this in more detail, talking about how we as God's people can better walk through depression and anxiety with all the common graces that are there for us to use. Talk about how we can walk with each other. And can I just say that isn't just for people who are struggling with depression. This is for all of us. I'd really encourage you, if you're part of Liberty, to come and to gather with us just for an hour. We are called to walk through our struggles together. Do not overlook the common graces in front of us. But also, can I say this? Don't just rely on them. Don't solely rely on those common graces because God has given you so much more. Haven't we already seen that back in in our first week? He's literally given us his son. Like we have Jesus with us in our storms. Like he is here now by his Holy Spirit. He was there. The disciples couldn't see him on the top of the deck, but he was there in the boat with them. We have Jesus in our storms. Last week we saw this. We have his word. Jesus speaks to us in our storms. We have the voice of God himself speaking to us, leading us in our storms. And here's the last thing that we see this week that God provides for us in our storms. God provides his people. God provides you and I, his people, to help us in our storms. I wonder if you notice kind of just the little subtle differences between the different accounts in Matthew, Luke, and Mark. They just pick out different different things and hone in on different little details. Mark is the only account that we have where Mark specifically makes a point that there were other boats. Did you notice that? He said that the disciples are in their boat, but there were other boats around as well. You see that in verse 36. They are all in this storm together. They are all sharing in this struggle together. And folks, they all get to experience the transforming power of Jesus Christ because they are together. 
We need each other, guys. Specifically, we need this. The church. If you are a Christian, you've been brought into this. You've been brought into the body of Jesus. And God has provided his body. Not just so, so that we can, some of us can stand on the shores and shout over help while you're, you're struggling in your storm. No. He's provided this body so that we would get in the boat with each other. So that we would struggle with each other. So that we would navigate through the storms of life with each other. If you're a Christian, you are part of this body and we are brought into this body to live life together. And it doesn't matter whether you're healthy or whether you are sick. The only requirement for you to be part of this body is faith. And you reminded of that a few minutes ago. It's faith. That is the only entrance requirement to the body of Christ. Faith. And even that is given to you as a gift from God. There is no need to think that you need to fix yourself up before you participate in this body. Come as you are. This is the body of Jesus. This isn't like a a country golf club. What I mean by that, and I might offend Andy in saying this, but a country golf club, you walk in there and you all have to dress smart. The ladies are dressed to the nines. They're all kind of drinking expensive whiskey. They all speak a certain way. They all drive certain cars. They all have this conversation where life is just brilliant, even though they know that it's not. This isn't a country golf club. We've got friends in a, in a club like this. Literally, they are only allowed to stay members as long as their income reaches and stays above a certain level. And as long as they keep property in a certain area. And the moment that their income drops below it, they're out. They're politely asked to leave. That is not what this is. This is the body of Jesus. And you and I know that this body is beat up. It is broken. It is bruised. There is suffering all over this body. And you might kind of look at the other people around you this morning and think, oh, they look all right. They're all fixed together. They aren't. I know you're not. And you know you're not. There is struggling and there is suffering all over this body this morning. And do you know what? That brings me great comfort. And it should bring you great comfort. Because it means that we do not have to pretend. We don't have to put a show on and pretend that we're all okay when we know that we're not. You know, one of the sweetest times that we spend together as a church is when we gather together in gospel community and we have our, our GC questions and we're working through that. And then someone just in a moment of honesty says, do you know what, guys? I'm really struggling with this. And they open up their heart and they tell us really what's going on. And we push the, the questions to one side and we say, do you know what? Let's just pray together. And then other people start sharing their brokenness and their struggles and we pray together and we open God's word and we allow God to speak into those situations. They are powerful moments where we are honest with each other. If you are a Christian, you are part of this body. And that means that when you are struggling, you don't need to withdraw. Actually, you press in deeper. In our storms, we need to be with one another. You need the church. And being part of this church isn't just about friendship. Like that is part of it. Like I'm looking at you guys and even behind the masks. Some of the most beautiful people I know are in this church. I don't mean physically beautiful. Most of you are pretty ugly. But like inside you are beautiful people. And honestly I love you. And this is about friendship to, to some extent. But it's so much more of that. You know what really matters about this body? It's about about who we point each other to. 
That's what makes the difference. And he's already told us that. Like it's wonderful that we have deep relationships here. But the real benefit of this body is who we point each other to. And we point each other to someone better. Jesus. Love Mark's account. I've said this a few times. It really makes me giggle when, when we read it. The disciples are frantically running around on deck. And what's Jesus doing? He's got his head on a cloth. I really love the detail of Mark's account. He's asleep in the boat with his head on a cushion, totally at peace with everything that's going on. They're frantically trying to save themselves above, above deck. And finally, they go to Jesus and ask for help. I wonder which one of the disciples thought of going to Jesus first. It might have been all of them thought of it at the same time. But in this storm, they know, or at least one of them knows, that what they need more than anything is Jesus. And Mark says that they go. Not just one of them. In verse 38, you get the impression that they all go. They all go together down to the bottom of the boat. They go to Jesus together and ask for his help. And that is what the church does. We lead each other to Jesus. We walk with each other to Jesus. We sing together, usually, to Jesus. We preach together about Jesus. We plead together. We plead together to Jesus in our storms. We point each other to Jesus because, we learned this a few weeks ago, because he is the only hope that we have in life and in death. So let me say this again. I've said it a few times. Because that is true. Because that is what the church does. Because that is what Liberty Church does. There is no better place for you to be in the whole earth this morning than right here. With God's people. A long time ago when I was a student. And I had a little bit of spare time on my hands. I did a proper degree. I did an engineering degree. So I didn't have much time on my hands. Cheeky um, stab there. But when I did have a few hours, this is what I'd love to do. When terrestrial telly was still a thing, you know, when we had tellies in our rooms and you could put things on. Um, I used to watch, like, murder things. I used to love watching these murder mystery things. Like, not real murder things, but, um, like, Murder, She Wrote. And, um, and Diagnosis Murder. Anyone remember? Remember that? They're a bit old school. No? Yes, some of you were maybe what to say. Like Quincy, things like that. I used to love watching these things. And the reason I loved these programs was there were two absolute certainties in Diagnosis Murder, Murder, She Wrote, all of those programs. The first certainty was this. Someone was going to get brutally murdered. And the second certainty was this, that um, Jessica Fletcher or, or Dr. Mark Sloan, whoever was the detective, was going to find that murderer and they were going to get banged up and put in jail. It was an absolute certainty. You knew as soon as you switched on, it was easy watching someone's going to die and they're going to get found by the detective. Folks, we have the same confidence when we are doing life with God's people week in, week out. When we are together, not confidence that someone's going to die, by the way. When we are together, there is no wondering whether Jesus is going to win. We don't walk in here this morning and be like, I'm unsure whether he's victorious or not. No. When we come into the gathering of God's people, we are absolutely convinced that Jesus has won. And he will defeat your fears. We are convinced of it. Like we wouldn't be here this morning if we weren't. But here's the thing. Often when we're on our own, we can doubt his power, can't we? We can struggle to see God's power when we're on our own. Often when we're on our own, and we see this last week, we listen to the voices around us. And we allow them to tell us how powerful God is or isn't. 
We listen to the voices within us and allow them to convince us how weak God is in our storms. But when we are here, there is no doubt and we are absolutely convinced that he is powerful and he is victorious and he can conquer all of our fears. A lovely conversation in the car park a couple of weeks ago. The lady from the lodge, one of the barmaids in the lodge. We were loading the stuff in and she was like, oh, do you know what? I've really missed you guys over the summer. She's not a Christian. She's like, I miss listening to you sing. You guys sing like you believe it. Because we do. Even if you walk in in the morning, you're a little bit, I'm not sure. When you're with God's people, when you're singing with God's people, when you're listening to God's word, you are convinced that he is victorious and he can conquer your fears. But let me throw out a word of warning. There are thousands of people turning up to spaces like this this morning, to churches across our country. And as they come, they are just ticking it off as attendants. Like, like what you need to do to be part of the church is to show up on a Sunday morning. This is not a club. This isn't just somewhere where we go, folks. This is the body of Christ. And when we see it as anything less, we have not only missed the point, but we are on a dangerous trajectory. Let me show you what I mean. The last three weeks, as we've read through these three accounts from Matthew, Luke, and Mark, not one of them, neither Matthew, Luke, or Mark, have mentioned the absence of any of the disciples. You get the impression, and we can safely assume that all of the disciples are present. They're all there in the boat. We've already talked about James, John, Peter, and Andrew, the fishermen, right? We talked about Matthew last week, the gospel writer. He is there. There's Judas, the son of James, he's there. There's Simon, he's there. Bartholomew. Um, No, I was going to try and do it, but I can't. Thomas. um, uh, Who's the other one? I've already written it down. I'm building up to that one. There we go. I think I've said all that. There's two Jameses. Two Jameses. Helen popped the balloon. And Judas Iscariot. And if you know anything about the Bible, you'll know a little bit about this guy. Judas Iscariot, the one who betrays Jesus. The one who hands him over to death. You know what, even if he's not in the boat, he spends three years following Jesus. Witnessing his power, seeing his authority, seeing his miracles. He enjoys the community of the disciples that we've been talking about. He hears Jesus' teaching. Quite possibly if he's on the boat, which I think he is, he's even saved from death by Jesus. But he dies an enemy of God. And as a result, he will receive the righteous judgment and the punishment from God for all eternity because of his sin. You might be thinking this morning, well, thank goodness I'm not Judas. The problem is we are all born like Judas. We are all born with corrupted hearts. We are all born as enemies of God. We are all born opposed to God, sinning against him. And just like Judas, just like Judas, we are heading towards an eternal storm of judgment for our sin. And I need to tell you this morning, there is nothing you can do to save yourself from that. There's nothing I can do for you to save you from that. You coming to church will not save you from that. You singing along with the songs when we eventually get to do that. 
will not save you from that. You listening to the preaching here every week will not save you from that. There is nothing that you can do to save you from that. Nothing in this life will be enough for you when this life is over to stand before God and make payment for your own sin. Folks, we don't just need to hear about Jesus. We need Jesus himself. It's him that makes the difference. And he offers himself to all of us. And he offers himself, not just like a good teacher, like he might have been to Judas. He offers himself as a savior, like he was to the other 11 disciples. Jesus saving the disciples from the storm that we've just read about was just a shadow of the ultimate salvation that he brings to them at the cross. And here's what that means for us if we are Christians. On the day that we stand before God, on the day of judgment when we stand before God, because of the finished work of the cross, on that day, God will not see us like he sees Judas. He will see us like he sees Jesus. That is what the cross does. Jesus' death on the cross takes our sin off of us and it clothes us in the righteousness of God. That is incredible. So that when God looks at us, he does not see our imperfections. He sees the beauty of his son. His perfection. His righteousness. Not our rebellion. Not our offenses. But the goodness of his son. If you do not know him, you need to put your trust in Jesus. Because there is no amount of effort. There is no amount of self-help. There is no amount of medication that will give you the peace that you need. There is none of that that will save you from the judgment that is coming. For your sin, you need him. Folks, this church is here to help us see Jesus. It is is here to help us to point one another towards Jesus. It is here, the body of Jesus Christ is here so that we can walk one another towards Jesus. Our only hope in life and death is also here. The body is also here to help you see yourself more clearly. Not just so that you can see Jesus more clearly, but so that you can see yourself and your sin more clearly. I know during the summer, if you were with us, you kind of went on this church online journey and we took our meetings online and it was, it was okay. This is so much better. Do you know one of the really uncomfortable things, and you guys who were preaching probably experienced the same thing. I've preached for a little bit, and I've never really sat down and listened to myself preach. And now as we sat down, we'd record it in the week, and we'd sit down as a family and watch it on YouTube. And I'm sitting there, listening to myself preach, and it's so uncomfortable. Like, I'll be honest with you, when I preach, in my mind, I have this perception that I'm really eloquent, like really articulate, a really powerful, booming voice. Like, in my mind, I'm thinking... Stephen Fry reading an audible book. That's what I sound like when I'm communicating. When I sit down and listen to me on YouTube, I've got a squeaky voice. I'm stumbling over my words. I am not eloquent at all. I sound a bit, bit more like that. Like it's, it's just not, not comfortable for me to listen to. And I turn to Elizabeth and the kids and I'm like, do I always sound like that? And Elizabeth's like, yeah, that's, that's just your voice. That's what you sound like. The really revealing thing through doing church online was this. I perceive my voice so wrongly when I'm on my own. That's not the only thing that I perceive wrongly when I'm on my own. When I'm on my own, I perceive my attitude wrongly. 
I perceive my emotions wrongly. I perceive my feelings wrongly. I perceive my desires wrongly. I perceive my sin wrongly when I'm on my own. On my own, I have this echo chamber. You know what an echo chamber is? Just something that repeats the same message back to you. On my own, I have this echo chamber of, of just hearing voices that always, funnily enough, tend to agree with how I'm feeling and how I see things playing out. Listening to our emotions and self-diagnosing our problems can be a destructive place to be. That is why we need to be together, to help one another, not just to see Jesus, but so that we can see ourselves and our sin more clearly. That is why the church for us brings us great hope because what you will find in the church what you will find in the body is that we will come alongside one another and we will steer each other away from destructive behaviours, away from sin and towards Jesus you do that for me and I will do that for you that is what the church does we limp along together, we point each other to truth, we warn each other of danger. On our own, we will fall into lies that will end up eating us up and drive us into darkness. But here, in Jesus' body, we'll hold out a light for each other in the storms that lead us to Jesus. So folks, as I wrap up, if you've neglected this gift, if you've neglected the gift of the church, can I encourage you this morning to throw yourself in? Throw yourself into this body. And even in the pandemic, there are so many ways that we can do this. Helen's talked about the book club. We've got a a prayer meeting every Tuesday evening. Family-friendly prayer uh, time, seven till half seven. We've got our gospel communities each week when we gather together online. We've got our WhatsApp prayer groups. These have been so helpful for me. Just groups of four where we video call each other once a week for 15 minutes. And just share for a couple of minutes what we're struggling with. And we pray for one another. If you're new here this morning, you can leave your details on one of the the, um, black and white cards and we'll get in touch with you. But can I just close by saying that some of us may have been out of the church for a while. Some of us may have been part of this church since we started. But it's just become a routine. Either way, all of us, all of us this morning need this gift. All of us need this body which Jesus has brought us into and given us. So hold on to it. Don't neglect it. And if you feel beaten and broken this morning, don't feel like you need to withdraw. You are in good company and you're so welcome here. And Liberty Church, can I just say this directly to you? Make this body your priority. Make it your priority to walk with each other, to limp along together and to continue to point each other to our greatest hope in our storms, which is Jesus. Let's pray. Yeah, Jesus, we need you. And so we ask that even just now in the next few minutes that you would come and attend to our our hearts and our souls. Jesus, even now as we kind of move on from the sermon to hearing hearing these words being sung, lead us to truth. Ground us in truth. And in that place, help us to find comfort and a refuge. Father, by your spirit, we pray that your presence would be so real to us now. Help us to respond rightly. Help us to see you as the one who holds all power and authority. 
Help us to be convinced, Jesus, of your victory on the cross. Help us to celebrate that as we respond now. And help us to be convinced, absolutely convinced, that there is no fear that you cannot lead us away from. Increase our faith, Lord Jesus, we pray. And fix our eyes on you now, we ask, for your name's sake and for your glory.